The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, what you needed. Today, bet $100 and get $100 free at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, November 15th, currently 1132 on the East Coast, here to break down the five-game schedule here in the association tonight. And joining me on this Tuesday episode, first, you guys know him as the man, the voice on the Tennis Gambling Podcast, WNBA Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast, Appearances on the Fantasy Football Podcast and, of course, here on the NBA Gambling Podcast, the man that does it both on and off the court for SGPN. It's Scott Studio Reichel. Scott, what's going on, my man? Nothing much. Uh, good to be back. Looking forward to breaking down Tuesday's card. Uh, pretty interesting card. I can't say that anything really, I'd say, wows me from a matchup perspective besides Luka being against the Clippers. So, I don't know if you're going to pencil them in for 45 already. We'll see what happens. But either way, should be fun. A lot of interesting games on the card. And let's make some money. Yes, sir. And also joining us, the newest co-host of the NBA Gambling Podcast. He's warming up on those player prop, guys. You need to follow <laughs> him on Twitter. It's my man, Delonte Smith. Delonte, what's going on, buddy? What's up, man? Uh, thanks for having me back. Just looking forward to uh, another profitable. Well, I haven't been profitable since I've been on the show. 0-4. Oh, so, uh, might want to fade me if, uh, with some of these picks, but uh, looking to get back on track right now. So um, I can I can tell you right now that this season, I know that Munaf, Terrell, and I all started off a bit cold there with the locks, and then we yeah, kind of heated up after a couple of days. So it happens, but you'll, yeah. I'm sure you'll bounce back. Yeah, man, it's crazy. It's just the Warriors, they got me back. I, both of my locks was on the Warriors uh, back-to-back days. Of course, they don't cover the first quarter. They end up covering the game. Uh, Minnesota lays a dud. The next game, they come out. They beat uh, a good team. I forgot. Who's they beat Cleveland because Garland dropped 50. Maybe 55. Yeah, change, so but, I mean, it's just yeah. it's just a day too early, that's all. But player props have been pretty good, though, in those articles. So Yeah. It, I mean, look, it's a, it's a very, very long season, guys. So nothing, yeah. to, you know, nothing to sweat. Uh, but, hey, that that's gambling in any sport, whether it's NFL, it's college, it's it's hockey, whatever the case might be. You have your ups and downs. So, And that's why we're here. We're here to talk it through, maybe sway us to one side or the another if we're kind of on the fence about stuff. But, uh, yeah, let's make some money today, guys. And we'll bounce back today for sure. Like I mentioned, five games on the schedule here tonight. Um, we could start maybe some few things that you guys may have seen yesterday that maybe stuck out to you. Uh, Scott, let me start with you. Anything that kind of stuck out to you yesterday as far as uh, the action in on Monday night? Uh, my main takeaways are just the bad teams keep losing. No offense to your team, but Houston continues to, well, to be honest, underachieve, even though their expectations weren't high to begin with. The Pistons, I know Cunningham's out, but still they managed to lose again. Is it just a race between the two of them to see who could have the worst record? Because it seems like some of the other teams that were supposed to be tanking, like the Jazz, for example, or even in not such an extreme case, the Thunder, who lost competitively because Shea is so damn good at basketball. But it feels like right now there's a two-horse race, doesn't it? Because it seems it seems like a lot of the teams that were supposed to be bad have actually been okay or surprisingly mediocre. 
yet it seems like Houston and Detroit are just racing to see who can lose 60 games the fastest, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. The Rockets right now, um, I, I th- and Terrell mentioned this yesterday. I think that was a great point that last season when they had Jalen Green in his first year, he looked a little lost out there, and it took a while for him. And it was post-All-Star break where we, as Rockets fans, started to see what Jalen Green is capable of doing. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a coaching thing right now. I, I think that I think it is for Detroit. I don't know about Houston, but Detroit yeah. I think is coaching. I just Detroit think that Dwayne sure. Casey's not good. I think yeah. veteran leadership and he and is like big in Houston. I mean, it's a bunch of young guys. They just playing AAU basketball. You know what I'm saying? So there's no veteran. I mean, Eric Gordon, but I mean, it's only so much he can do. It's just dominated by. I, I don't think any of those guys are even maybe like 21, 22, if if that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Jalen Green's young, you know, Jabari's young, Kevin Porter Jr. is young. Right. So those are Shang-Goon. kind of the Shangoon, yeah. Those four guys are really the corner uh stones of what right. this team wants to do going into the future. But yeah, nothing really stood out to me, guys. I think that Warriors came out and took care of business yesterday uh, against a porous um San Antonio Spurs team. Um, that that game opens up a decent conversation. I'm just not sure if we're ready to have it or not, but I'll let you finish your point. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, the only other thing was I think OKC Thunder, um, they're a scoring machine, man. I think there was, what, last three games, something like they put up 120 or four straight games, they put up 120 plus points. I don't uh, know what the Knicks competitive. game was on Sunday. I don't know they, what the hell that they just, was. They can't yeah. put people away. Weren't they up Weren't they up uh, 15 on, um, Thunder. on Boston? They yeah, fell apart they were, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought they were big. Yeah. I just remember that that game at there was 280 in the Knicks game in regulation. I'm like, what? Yeah. what is happening right now? You have 80-something points, but do we want to have the Warriors conversation or no? Uh, if you know where I'm going. You I might know where, know where I'm going, you might play. not. But I, I, I think, think it's worth having a conversation. Go ahead. Are we sure Clay should be starting instead of Jordan Poole? <laughs> Man. Jo- I'm just going to ask. Jordan Poole is... I know I it's think, one game. It's a one-game yeah, sample size. I get it. But Munaf knows I've... I've been ranting about Clay for a while now about how since he came back from last year, he really has not been very good. He's had a couple of moments here and there for big games, even in the playoffs. But for the most part, he's shooting basically like 34%. Like he's, he's been really, really bad. And I know San Antonio isn't a good team, but they've been surprisingly okay this season. And Poole went nuts. Once again, one game sample size. I just feel like it's a little bit weird that everybody seems just content with letting clay figure it out with the starting lineup playing him 30 something minutes a game when he clearly doesn't have it and i'm kind of wondering i know pool wasn't great to start the year either do you think the warriors are a better team when jordan pool is on the court as opposed to clay thompson because i do i don't think so right now because this was like the first game this season where jordan pool has looked like jordan pool mm-hmm. Of what we saw last year, um, just going crazy. I mean, look, outside of last night, he hadn't shot the ball very well, at least in the month of uh, uh, of November so far. And, you know, maybe teams are figuring out what he's doing. Maybe it's the whole palming slash traveling thing that they've kind of cracked down on him. Maybe he's kind of second-guessing himself. But like you said last night, it was against one of the teams that is not very good defensively or is not going to be very good defensively this season. Um, and I think the whole Clay Thompson thing for me is that when you do come back from those two type of injuries, I don't think you're ever going to be the same player ever again. Um, so maybe that 
Steve Kerr needs to decrease his minutes to maybe only 25 to 30 at night. And That's kind of my main play. point. Yeah, it, it, Jordan Poole play more minutes. It's just about the reduction of playing time because sure. you're voluntarily yeah. giving him 30-something minutes a game. And I know Golden State's efficiency numbers with the starting lineup are really, really good. So I don't know how much Clay contributes to that. Now, of course, the yeah. spacing will always be there because he can shoot or he has the reputation of being a great shooter because of the past. But once again, he's playing 30-plus minutes and he's shooting roughly like 34%. Like he's been awful. And yet he just gets a bunch of minutes. And I feel like yeah. if you're going to be experimenting and trying to see what works and the bench has been brutal for this team. And I know they barely play Wiseman. He's being demoted. Uh, you're barely playing Kaminga anymore. I am wondering if it's time to potentially shake, shake some things up, maybe on the road, because you can't win a road game to save your lives. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, I mean, I think sure. it's more regular season than – I mean, of course, Clay's going – Clay adds that dimension defensively that Jordan Poole just can't do. And that's more, you know, that's that's more of an advantage in the postseason than it is in the regular season. So I would agree, maybe dial back, you know, his minutes some, but you still got to have him prepped and in rhythm, you know, when he goes into the playoffs. So, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i like, I got different opinions about Jordan Poole. I'm like up and down on him, on some of the things that he can do and that he can't do. And in some spots, like in this spot, he played good against the Spurs. But I think when he kind of steps up in competition and he plays, you know, a competent team, he's he's not as good as he usually is. I mean, but that's just something that I noticed. It's just it's a small sample size. I mean, he only had one year and then, you know, a couple of games this year. But I think in the long run, he will, you know, take over Clay's spot, so to speak. But right now, I think that. Clay's still a slightly better option in the playoffs, but you got a point with you know regular season, I think. Yeah, for the playoffs, I agree. I think that Clay is going to be the starter in the playoffs, yeah. and he should yeah. be. My point is right now, at least let Clay figure it out. Maybe run more plays for him on the bench unit because they're going to need to rely on him more. I just think you have to build up his confidence slowly and just throwing him into the fire game in, game out, and letting him just really shoot terribly from the floor. I don't think it's helping anybody at this point. That's kind of my main point. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can agree to that. I can agree to that. Yeah, um, I think yeah, scaling back his minutes might be right now a better solution for the Golden State Warriors with Clay Thompson. Uh, but Dante, any other takeaways uh, from last night before we get into the Tuesday games? Uh, I know that Charlotte is like horrible. I know when when me and you talked originally, I took the, I told you I was like down on them, going to take that under. Yeah. But with Melo back, they. They look, they look better. I mean, I know it's the magic, of course, um, but even in his previous game, I mean, he he just makes them a totally different team as far as uh, from a competitive standpoint, not just sure. winning games, but just yeah. as far as being competitive and getting people in their spots. Like you can tell how much comfortable that Rogier was, that Ubre was, that Plum. You can tell how much comfortable they were knowing yeah. that they got a floor general, somebody that can put them in a position where they won't have to create for themselves. So. I'll be looking to back Charlotte like in bigger like when they're dogs, not as a favorite. I mean, I backed them last night because I didn't think that uh, Orlando could match up with them as far as from a pace standpoint. But going forward, if they're catching you know double digits, I'll definitely be looking to you know bet on them in certain spots. So other than that, uh, not much. Uh, Atlanta, they look good again. Uh, Murray and Trey just like on another level right now. Dejounte really bringing defensive mindset to that backcourt. I mean, Trey Steele is not a defensive mm. player by any means, but he has looked a lot better with DeJounte back there. I mean, maybe it's, you know, him playing freer and being yeah. able to, DeJounte being able to cover up for some of his mistakes. But uh, 
Yeah, the Hawks, they look really good. The quickly, my, yeah. my takeaway from Atlanta was just Capella. They're finally mm-hmm. giving him more minutes, and they're yeah. so much better when he's on the court. And the fact that he's yeah. had at least 30 minutes in each of the last two games, I think is kind of a testament to that. No offense to Okongwu. I think he's pretty good. But I do think this team is the best when Capella is the starting five. There was a point like in the second half of the year last year there were minutes for whatever reason, and they just didn't look as good as we would have anticipated. So, and we know Capella's a rebounding machine. I think that he should be getting a minimum of 30 minutes every single night, obviously depending on matchups as well. But um, yeah, I think that defensively and rebounding wise and ring protection and, and the lob threat, I think Capella is that uh, answer right now for uh, the Atlanta Hawks, especially in tier, because we know John Collins likes to hang around the three point line and, and he does get lob threats, but you need that interior presence with a guy like Clint Capella. All right, guys, let's get into the uh, schedule here for the uh, Tuesday night games here in the association. Uh, first game on the board, it's going to be on TNT. It's going to be the Memphis Grizzlies against the New Orleans Pelicans. And this line opened up at minus two for the New Orleans Pelicans. That line has now been bet up to minus three and a half over on win bet. Total opened up at 230. That number has been bet down to 229. Uh, Looking at the injury report, we did see that Jaron Jackson Jr. should be making his return and his season debut for the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. First time he has been questionable all season. Uh, Desmond Bain is doubtful tonight for the Memphis Grizzlies. He's dealing with the right toe soreness. Uh, and Zaire Williams continues to be out as well as Danny Green for the Memphis Grizzlies. For the New Orleans Pelicans, a pretty clean injury report other than a questionable tag for Zion uh, Zion Williamson uh, tonight. He has a right ankle slash foot sprain, so definitely to keep an eye out for Zion uh, as we kind of progress through the day here and they update the injury reports. But, Delonte, let me start with you on this game. The Pelicans are a three-and-a-half-point favorite here against the Memphis Grizzlies. What are you thinking about this game? Uh, man, I love the uh, I love the Pelicans in this spot. I honestly was hoping that – I seen that Zion was on the uh, injury report last night. Uh, I yeah. bet them uh, over the night, and I thought that, you know, if Zion wouldn't play, I probably would get a better number. But I see everybody else is on the same page. That's why I got bet up. But um, New Orleans, I think they match up well with Memphis, especially with Bain being out. So that's – less of a three-point shooter that Memphis has. And defensively, like, New Orleans is is not, like, a top-five unit, but they have some top-five moments. Uh, metrically, defensively, they are uh, – they rank 29th in, as far as defending a three. So Memphis doesn't really shoot the three that well. I mean, they got percentage numbers, but they don't really shoot it well, especially without Bane. So they won't yeah. be able to, you know – really spread the floor like they want to. Um, from a matchup perspective, I mean, Ja, you know, he's a matchup nightmare for anybody. So he's going to do what he does. Not really worrying about Jaron Jackson too much right now because he's coming off that injury. He's going to be, you know, he might be on a minutes restriction. Uh, I haven't read anything about it, but I'm sure he's not going to be a full go to play 25, 30 minutes. So that just opens up the door for Zion to dominate in the paint if he plays uh, Valanchunas to do his thing. Penciling Ingram for 2025. Uh, Memphis 1-6-1 ATS on the road. They haven't been covering at all, even at home. So I've been fading them as we go, excuse me, as we've, uh, as the season has progressed. Uh, I'll probably continue to do so in this. And uh, as far as the total, uh, Memphis under cash seven of the last 10 games. So that's something to look at. 
um, in this matchup, especially without Baines. I don't see how they score over uh, maybe like one, 105, 106, something like that. Yeah, look, both these teams, you mentioned it there, that they're not great three-point shooting teams, or they don't get up the volume, right, as far as attempts goes. Uh, New Orleans ranks number 24 as far as attempts, Memphis number 26. Uh, they do shoot it at a high percentage. Memphis is number eighth as far as three-point shooting percentage, but bulk of their points for both of these teams actually comes from inside the paint. New Orleans number three in points scored inside the paint, and the Memphis Grizzlies ranked number five uh, in the association at 55.3, which ranks number five. So, And both of these teams are below league average in defending the paint. So I think we'll see a, a more emphasis on – in. Points getting scored inside the paint, like you mentioned there, uh, Delante, uh, especially if Zion is able to go tonight. I think that he should have some success uh, uh, inside against his Memphis Grizzlies front court. But Scott, thoughts on this game? Uh, New Orleans has a three-and-a-half point favorite. For me, it's pretty difficult because I don't know if Zion's going to play or not. I'm kind of looking at a player prop. Uh, I got to, like, jaw over. If Bain's yeah. not going to play and if Bain's taking 15 to 20 shots a game, that's a lot of extra shots that are now up for grabs, and I know that most of Memphis's supporting cast isn't exactly great at, let's just say, creating their own shots. Now, it could be a bit dangerous because Dylan Brooks might go hero ball and take 20 shots and they'll automatically lose the game, which is not a fun time. <laughs> but I'm assuming Morant should be able to do well here. Valanciunas might get into foul trouble early, but Ja, we know, is fearless. He'll go at Valanciunas. He won't be afraid of him. But I do think if you're looking at this overall matchup, I kind of have to lean to New Orleans. They're at home. They have a pretty good home court advantage. I'm not sure if Zion plays, but at least they have several scoring options with McCollum, with Ingram, mm -hmm. with Valanciunas. I do think they have a couple of backup options. I'm not sure Memphis really has that. You're going through the supporting cast, and without Bain, who's playing like an all-star, you're really looking at Dylan Brooks as the guy who kind of needs to step up, and it's well-documented that it's a bit of a slippery slope when he has to take that many extra shots. I think I'm going to lean to New Orleans, but I am looking at Ja over for points. Because I just think the volume is going to be absurd. He might get to the line 15 times. It wouldn't surprise me. But I'll take the over on job point to 28 and a half. Yeah, Captain Insano pointing out in the YouTube chat, uh, Desmond Bain has been diagnosed with a grade two right big toe sprain. Be reevaluated in about two to three weeks, uh, the team announced as of this morning. So no Desmond Bain for at least two to three weeks for the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, I'm leading with the Pelicans here as well at home. Um Scott, what you just mentioned, there's just scoring options, right? You would have to – we know Jaw is going to get his, but we there, after that it's question marks on who's going to step up for this team, especially without having Desmond Bain in the lineup. Delonte mentioned there as well that Triple J is probably going to be playing in spurts, maybe be on a minutes restriction in his first game back after surgery. So I, I think that emphasis for the Pelicans defense here tonight will be trying to slow down Jaw. Obviously, Jaw is going to get his just because he's – just so incredibly athletic and he can score from any point uh, from the floor. And especially with these two teams giving up points inside the paint, I think that John Rash should be able to get to the basket at will. I hope Zion's able to play tonight. Obviously that line is going to move in the favor of the Pelicans. If he is actually ruled in maybe by another half a point, maybe a point, but I, I do like the Pelicans here tonight in this game at minus three and a half. Uh, Delonta, you mentioned you do like the under in this game as far as the total goes. But, Scott, do you have any thoughts on the total here at, uh, what I say it was? It's like uh, 230, I think. Yeah, 230, yeah. I have no idea. 229, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I got no idea because I got to know if Zion's <laughs> playing or not. I mean, yeah. it's a big deal. So, I guess I'm going to lean to the under because neither team can shoot that well from the outside or attempts that many threes and Baines being out. So, Memphis really doesn't have much shooting. But you're also mentioning the Memphis stats and how their recent games have gone under. 
I don't know how the hell that Friday night game went under against the Timberwolves. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> and what, like 90 points in the second half after like 130 right. in the first half? It was something right. that was just yeah. crazy. The game just flipped a switch, and the game ended up going under. But I think I'm going to lean under. I just think there's not enough outside shooting. And since they're going to be clogging up the paint for both sides, you still have Valanciunas and Adams who are going to eat up a lot of space on the inside. I'll lean to the under, and I'll hope that the overall post defense is pretty good. Yeah, that was my mindset going in as well. Yeah, they scored 45 in the third quarter in the Minnesota game and then 37 in the fourth That's what quarter I thought. The game just game died. You had 80-something points in the second half, uh, and the yeah. game just died. But, yeah. 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 Anything else for this game, guys? For get over to the next game of the night? Uh, yeah, not really. Um, All right. Uh, let's get over to the next game of the night. It's going – Okay. Uh, next game of the night is going to be the Los Angeles Clippers headed to Dallas on a back-to-back here, uh, taking on the Luka-led Dallas Mavericks. Uh, looking at the line for this game, the Dallas Mavericks opened up as a seven-point favorite at home. That number has stayed the course at minus seven. Uh, total opened up at 211.5. Uh, that number has been bet up to half a point, up to 212. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams, Clippers have not yet once submitted because they did play last night. Uh, in Houston against the Rockets, where they did get the victory there. For the Dallas Mavericks, pretty clean injury report here. Uh, we know about Davis Bertans being out uh, for a significant amount of time, but everybody else is a go for this Dallas Mavericks team. Like I mentioned, Clippers coming off of that back-to-back or on a back-to-back uh, here tonight. And so far this season, they've been in that situation already uh, uh, three times uh, this season, obviously, I pro- I think should be playing tonight since he sat out um, in Houston on Monday night. But the LA Clippers so far this season are one and two against the spread in back-to-back situations, and I believe the total is also uh, I believe it's one and one in those games. I'll look that up. But let's start with the side here, Scott. Let me lead off with you. Minus seven here for the Dallas Mavericks hosting the LA Clippers. So it's a back-to-back. I know it's not a great spot. Dallas also has not played since the 12th, so they had a couple of days off, and Luka had that ridiculous 40-plus point triple-double, and then they're beating Portland by five. I'm going to take the points here. I I just don't trust Dallas enough. And I get the argument of rest advantage, but these teams hate each other. They kill each other every time they play. And once again, Portland's a pretty good team. But Luka needed forty a 40-point triple-double for them to win by five. I just feel like if the Clippers are going to send a lot of length at Luka, which they're going to try to do, they might just let him score and try to take away the assists and try to just take their chances there. But the Clippers are so used to playing against Luka that I just think they'll be able to make it difficult for him. A classic case of not fully stopping but maybe containing. I'm just going to take the Clippers. These games are always wars, and I feel like it's going to be a bit of a rock fight since the total's too low. Dallas is good at home. I acknowledge it. The Clippers are good on the road, though. And you said it's a back-to-back. They were in Houston. They also blew out the Rockets. They didn't exactly have to use all their starters for a large amount of minutes. I'm going to take the points. I just don't trust Dallas enough because besides Luka, they really don't have any other shot creators on the entire team besides Dimwitty a bit. So I'll take the Clippers. I think they'll keep this game close. Yeah, not a single player for the Clippers last night played more than 30 minutes. The highest 
minutes uh minutes played last night was Paul George, but he only played 29 minutes last night. Um, since uh, like you mentioned there, Scott, that it was a blowout situation for the uh, LA Clippers against the Rockets. So uh maybe not too much of uh tired legs here for the Clippers here tonight in Dallas. And again, that's a very short trip from Houston to Dallas. I think it's maybe an hour by plane, if that um for the LA Clippers. So not a huge travel situation either. Delonte thoughts on this game. Uh, Dallas has a seven point home, fa- home favorite here. You're on mute, by the way, just a heads up. Yeah. So whenever this game first, uh, whenever I first was breaking it down, I wanted to get a shorter number with Dallas, maybe like three and a half, maybe four. And I was looking to, to back them in that role. But at seven, I'm, I'm kind of with Scott. Like, I think that's too, I think that's too many points. Um, and it's going to be a complete, Clash of styles. Uh, Dallas, they like to get up and down. Uh, Clippers, they've been winning more with defense. Uh, eleven of the eleven of the thirteen games that they played have all went under, uh, and eight of the last twelve games that Dallas has played have all went over. So it's going to be who who can dictate the pace. Um, I'm not really concerned. Like nobody can stop Luca, especially not the Clippers. After he destroys them, no matter where they play at, whether it's in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in LA, whether at, whether it's in Dallas, he's going to get his. But as Scott mentioned, like they just don't have much else other than Luca. I mean, he's you know dominating the ball so much, and other guys are kind of streaky. Tim Hardaway, uh, Dean Witty, uh, Bullock. They're just like there's just no consistency as far as those other guys. So, I mean, I would lean under. That would probably be the play. I wouldn't touch the side because. I'm not sure if, you know, Ty Lue's going to, like, rule these guys out. That's why the injury report hasn't came out. I mean, we're doing this a little bit earlier. So I would kind of stay away from the side. But from a total perspective, I would look at the under. I think that the Clippers defensively are one of the best, like, in the in the association. Uh, they're first in rim rate defense, meaning nobody gets to the rim and scores on them. They uh top five defensive rating, uh, fourth in net rating, fifth in points per game allowed. So they're winning games more so with defense than they are with their offense. I mean, the only offensive like weapon who can go get you a bucket is, I mean, it's Paul George. They got other pieces that are good secondary or, you know, secondary or maybe a little bit lower from a scoring perspective. But defensively, I think this is where they hang their hat at. And uh, I think this game goes under. What was well, the number I- in that again? Uh, uh, two... Two twelve. Yeah, two twelve. By the yeah, way, you mentioned a couple of guys or that might be able to or be unable to get to the rim and get you a bucket. Reggie Jackson thinks he's that guy. Does that count? Yeah. <laughs> not really. I mean, but no, right, Wall, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Well, Wall might not play. Uh, so oh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like Wall. It's just that I mean, like we were talking about with Clay. Like those injuries are just like you just don't bounce back after not playing for, you know, two and a half years. And I know he was able to play. Houston didn't want him to play uh, for whatever reason. That's the Ben Simmons situation. Yeah. So still, I mean, it's just, if you you haven't played like contact full speed basketball in two and a half years, it's always going to affect you, even though he's looked pretty good though. But I mean, he's just, you know, he's still not his normal self. Drew mentioned it, though. I, I do like the under in this game. I do like the Clippers team total under. Uh, for the pace alone, Dallas is dead last, and it's yeah. really not even close. They're dead last by over a full, I don't even know, by a full number, a full, like, I I don't exactly know how they quantify the actual Little possession, I guess we can say. I guess, yeah, I guess it's, possessions. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's pace is uh, 
48 possessions points per 48 per, points per 48 possessions yeah yeah. yeah. Okay. Either either way, Dallas is last, and the Clippers are twentieth. So I'm expecting a really slow game, very physical. I like the under as well. I think at least one of these teams does not get to 100. I agree. Yeah. Uh, at seven, I think I was kind of shocked to see it at seven, even though Clippers were on the back to back. But like we talked about, a lot of the guys didn't play heavy, heavy minutes. Actually, nobody played more than 30 minutes last night. Like I mentioned against the Rockets. Um, so I expect to see Paul George out there. I think just right now the Clippers on paper, are definitely the deeper team. Um, outside of Luke, I know you have Christian Wood. Spencer did what he has been playing well as well, but I, I think that... That's really it, honestly. Yeah, it's really it. It's just those two guys, but for the Clippers, I mean, let's say John Wall even doesn't play tonight. You still have you know guys that can knock down the three-point shot. For the Clippers, um, you know, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, those guys can knock down shots for you. Luke Kennard, another guy, uh, Norman Powell coming off the bench, you know, so they have a lot of options uh, for the LA Clippers coming off of that bench here. So I'm going to take the plus seven here tonight with the LA Clippers. Uh, agree about the under in this game as well, under 212. One quick question. Did, did we think, like, with some of those names you just rattled off, you would think that the Clippers would be, like, more explosive on offense, but they're just they're just not, like, I don't know what it is. Maybe they're trying to mesh those guys together. They're 30th in offensive rating. Like well, half the guys, half the guys can't shoot. I mean, you look at yeah. the numbers for Reggie Jackson, especially. He's been terrible. Powell has really not been good either. Morris has been good, so he's been doing his thing. Kennard can't create his own shot, so he has to constantly mm-hmm. come around screens. But you look at the Clippers' possessions, and because of the slow pace, they really don't generate much separation against their defenders because a lot of guys either don't create off the dribble or just haven't made shots when they do. Even John Wall, he takes a bunch of three pointers and he can't shoot. It's been his entire career, and yet he's still jacking up a bunch of shots. I just think the shot selection for the Clippers is relatively poor because they don't generate many easy looks early in the shot clock. Yeah, and they don't get they don't get as many. So they they like they're like uh, I think eleventh in field goal percentage, but that's just kind of skewed because they don't get as many possessions. So they're efficient when they you know when they do it, but they take bad shots, and you know. They, the limited possessions, if you make, let's say you have two or three games where you're, you know, shooting 57, 58%, that's going to skew those numbers. So that's why they're, you know, top 15 in field goal percentage. But I wouldn't take that into, you know, I wouldn't take much into that. Yeah, but both these teams are also relying on the jump shot, right? Like you take a look at points scored inside the paint. Da- Dallas ranks number 20, Clippers are number 26. And Dallas has a pretty good three point uh, defense. They only allow. 10.1 makes per game, which ranks number two in the entire association uh, right behind shockingly Utah. Um, and then they also don't give up a lot of attempts either. So that just kind of tells you defensively, they're doing a great job of closing out on three point shooters uh, in this game. So, you know, with what Scott mentioned there with the pace with both these teams being well below league average, Dallas being number 30 uh, Clippers being number 22. I think we see a more, you know, snail plate, snail pace of this game where shot making uh, is going to be at a premium. Uh, so I think this de- game does go under uh, the total here as well. Anything else for this game, guys? Uh, I, that's it. Oh, I don't that's know it. how much I like Zubak in this matchup because if he plays minutes, he should walk into a double-double, probably yeah. like 15 rebounds. But since Dallas spaces the floor and they use Berton sometimes at the center, are we just expecting the Clippers to say screw and they're just going to dominate on the glass and they'll just trade the three-pointers for the rebounding? Because I kind of have to like Zubak in this matchup if he's going to get a lot of minutes. It's kind of like the Capella situation or Valanchunas on the Pelicans. If he gets enough minutes, he's going to walk into like 15 rebounds in this matchup. 
But the spacing and the fact that he can't cover the three-point line might be an issue. What do you guys think? Yeah, I quickly Googled his uh, or looked at his game log uh, and the minutes that he's played against the Clippers, at least over the last five games here. So he's played 35, 27, 26, 26, and 33. And how are the and two of those, Yeah, two of the five games, he's only had uh, double-doubles and he got 10 rebounds in only two of those five games. Okay, so I guess never mind. But that's just something yeah. that I was considering, but we'll see. Yeah. All right, before we get over to the next game of the night, let me tell you guys about our presenting sponsor and where you can get down on these betting lines. That's over at WinBet. Ready to boost, ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And during WinBet Win Hour marquee games of the week, we'll have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays, live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, Bet 100, Win 100. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet so they know that we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com so and BT to free bet today. Offer something to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 2100 or older and present in the state where play through winbet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. All right, guys, let's get over to the next matchup of the night. It's going to be the uh, let's go to Utah, where the New York Knicks are in Utah to take on the Jazz. Uh, this is going to be a nine o'clock Eastern start in this game. Looking at the lines for this game, the Jazz are a five-point home favorite here with a total of 231. Uh, both of these numbers opened up here. Let's see. Minus four for the Utah Jazz. Like I mentioned, that's been bet up to minus five. Total opened up at 230.5. It's uh, been bet up to 231, 232 in some spots here. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams, pretty clean for the Utah Jazz. No significant injuries there. And for the New York Knicks, uh, pretty clean as well. So we know about Mitchell Robinson being out for them. But other than that, everybody is a go for both of these teams here. Uh, Delonzo, let me start with you on this game. The Utah Jazz, the probably, if not, they are the biggest surprise team so far this season, uh, sitting with a record of 10-5 and five this season, number three in the Western Conference. They are a five-point favorite at home against the New York Knicks here. What are you thinking about this game? Man, I'm gonna be honest with you. I lost a lot of money betting against Utah this year. A, a lot of money. I, they're 10, 10 4 and one ATS. I think I probably bit out of those ten wins. They probably got me like seven times. And it's not even. I was just strictly just fading. Like they don't want to win. That's what I was going into when I was doing research and reading during the offseason. I mean, I just didn't see any signs pointing to them being able to come out and like win games. And Lloyd Marketing is just transferred, I mean, transformed into what he was at Arizona. I don't know what's going on with, with that. Mike Conley is playing well. Clarkson, I mean, Clarkson has always been a, a decent piece. Like he's playing well. They just I don't I don't know what I don't know what they have going on or but I'm sure Ainge is not happy with it because they're winning. But <laughs> yeah. uh the fans are. Uh but as they've in that 10 4 and 1 run. They haven't been a favorite, but you know, three times and they're one, two, and one, or they're four times, I'm sorry. They're one, two, and one ATS as a favorite. So, I mean, the Knicks, I don't want any part of the Knicks either. 
So I guess the main thing that I can take away from this is just I'll just stay away from it. If I had to like a force play, I bet Utah. I mean, and maybe the over. Uh, Utah is going to get up and down. They're going to score. Um, New York is 25th in points per game allowed. Um, they It's not a typical Tom Thibodeau defense. Uh, they don't stop anybody. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see matchup-wise how they match up with some of these wings from uh, Utah, like marketing. I think maybe Barrett will be on them. So that'll be an interesting mm-hmm. matchup to see how he does on him. Uh, Randall, I think Randall should have a, a decent game uh, because – Mitchell's being out. Uh, him and Hartenstein. I think that's his name. Hartenstein. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. want to say his name. I don't want to say his name wrong. But yeah, they should have dominate the boards. Uh, defensively, I mean, uh, rebounding wise, Utah thirtieth in defensive rebounds, and uh, New York is top ten in offensive rebounds. So that should be some, you know, room for uh, Julius Randle and Hartenstein to dominate the boards. But as far as the side in total, I'll just pass altogether. Yeah, uh, Utah so far this season as a favorite are one and three against the spread, but at home so far this year, they are four and one against the spread. Um, and as a home favorite, I don't think that situation has come up a lot of times for Utah, only twice or one and one uh, as a home favorite so far this season. But yeah, for me, kind of just looking at the, the, the just the overall stats, I mean, both teams uh, do really well scoring inside the paint. New York, number two, as far as points scored inside the paint. Utah, number 11. They also jack up a lot of three-point shots, um, do both of these teams. And New York has it doesn't have a very good three-point defending uh, defense. They allow, uh, let's see here, 35.5%. From the three-point line, which ranks about league average, but they do give up 14.1 makes per game, which ranks number 29 out of the uh, 30 teams in the association. Also, New York allows 30, uh, uh, sorry, 32 attempts per game, which ranks number 30. So I think the Jazz will have some success here shooting the three ball here tonight. So if you want to look at, I don't know, Jordan Clarkson, Laurie Markin, three-point props here tonight. Uh, and both of these teams like to get up and down the floor. As far as possessions per game, New York number three. Utah number nine, so I think we will see points being put up in this uh, in this game, especially in yep. the first half yep. of this game here. I like that first half over. I think it's currently sitting at one eighteen in this game, uh, so that might be the play for me, or will be the play for me. Full game over and the first half over in this game between the New York Knicks and the Utah Jazz here. But Scott, let me get to you. Do you like the side in this game? Uh, if so, what side? And then also, if you want to dig into the total. But first of all, I agree with the over. I'm not taking an under with a team that gave up 145 against the Thunder on Sunday. So that's just <laughs> not going to happen. I'm going to take the over. I like Utah in the spot, though. They're very good at home. In fact, they're undefeated straight up at home. And you said they're 4-1 ATS. And even though they are a favorite in the spot, I don't think the Knicks are a good team. And I watched them play against the Nets. They no-showed the game. They were really discombobulated both offensively and defensively. I don't know what the Knicks do well at. You're looking at Brunson, who's been kind of hit or miss. Barrett, people keep waiting to take a leap. It seems like he's a pretty decent starter. Nothing special, but I think he's okay. Randall, I think, should have a big game. So I do agree about the boards. I agree with Delonte. I think that Randall should walk into a double-double, maybe even like a 25-15 and 15 type game. But I really don't like the Knicks' overall roster makeup right now, and I don't like the overall identity because I don't know what their identity is. They were known as being a physical and good defensive team, and they stink at defense. So I don't know what they are, but I know what Utah is. Utah is a fun three-point shooting team. 
that when they're not against Embiid, win some games because Embiid's going to drop 60 on their head. But I do like Utah in the spot. They're undefeated at home. New York is traveling to the West Coast. Is this the first time this season the Knicks are going to the West Coast? I think it I might be. So. Yeah, you, so, might be right. you might be right. That, I'm not exactly sold on the Knicks in that spot, traveling to the West Coast for the first time. I'm going to take Utah at home. I just think that it, with the crowd behind them, the crowd's into it. I'll take the Jazz. All right. Um yeah, I mean, not much else for me to add. I, I think that uh, my favorite play is over. I think, Scott, you agree with that. Delante, I think mm. you also see points being put up in this game as well. Yeah. Um, they have just been to the their worst schedule coast. here. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, have. The, yeah. The only game that a, they had not a great was spot. Yeah, Denver on October 28th, but that was only for one game. Uh, Played Minnesota. But, I mean, they, yeah, they went to L.A. Uh, no, uh, beginning of this month, November 4th and the 6th, where they played L.A. back-to-back, but it wasn't – they weren't traveling. I was talking about Utah. I uh, just saying the Knicks. Oh, I'm sorry, Knicks. Okay, okay. The furthest they uh, went, I think, was just Minnesota. Yeah, they only been to, they've only been to Minnesota. Uh, yeah, that's the – That was it. They, so, yeah, that's yeah, it. I'll say, I'll, I'll say the East Coast team going west. Yeah. All right, yep. uh, let's get over to the next game on the schedule here. Gentlemen, two games left here. We got the San Antonio Spurs on a back-to-back situation. They go up to Portland after playing the Golden State Warriors last night. Uh, looking at the opening numbers for this game, the San Antonio Spurs, oh, sorry, the Portland Trailblazers opened up as a seven and a half point favorite in this game. That number has now been bet up to minus eight, starting to see some minus eight and a halves pop up. Total open up at 224. That number is all the way up to two, not all the way up, but up to 226 over on win bet. Uh, money lines in this game, seeing uh, Blazers minus 330, plus 270 for the San Antonio Spurs. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams, uh, not yet one submitted for the Spurs again because they did play last night against the Warriors. For the Portland Troll Blazers, Keon Johnson is questionable tonight with a hip issue. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic is also questionable tonight with right abductor soreness and justice Winslow is also questionable tonight with a non COVID related illness. Um, Portland, again, think for me, at least one of the more surprising teams as well uh, coming into the season. Chauncey Billups has this, this, this team playing defense. Uh, I know they've been battling some injuries, but look, they've, they, they are a team that plays the full 48 minutes and they do not give it up, give up, have a nine and four record in the Western conference right now. Scott, let me start with you on this game. Portland as a eight-point favorite right now over on WinBet, hosting the San Antonio Spurs, who are on a back-to-back. So I initially wanted to make a case for San Antonio just because I wanted to pick a dog somewhere. The problem is San Antonio has been so bad lately, especially on the road. They've been awful on the road. And I was just talking about the last game against Golden State yesterday where they lost by what felt like 90 points. But going through the last couple of road games, they played the Warriors yesterday. Lost that game by 37. Road game before that played Denver. Lost by 25. Road game before that played Minnesota. And Minnesota's not been good this season. And they lost by 12. So San Antonio's been getting blown out regularly on the road lately. And Portland's off a tough loss to Dallas. Uh, Luka went nuts. What are you going to do? It happens. But I'm going to link to Portland. Uh, Moda Center is a pretty good home court. And Portland's still 9-4 and on the season. They still have... Potentially Nurkic being out, but you're going to be looking at Lillard and Simons in the lineup, and they should have do whatever they want against this backcourt for San Antonio. And I do think you'll end up seeing Portland look pretty sharp here. I'm going to go with the Trailblazers. I wanted to make a case for San Antonio. I really did. But getting blown out in three straight road games is not exactly ideal for making a case for them to win this game. Give me Portland to bounce back after losing a heartbreaker to Luka's 40-point triple-double. Uh, Delonte, what do you like for this game as far as the spread? 
Man, Scott, I'm glad I'm glad you're on this side. I I wasn't gonna pull the trigger on Portland, but you just convinced me. Yeah, I'm gonna be on Portland. I wasn't gonna make a case for San Antonio at all, but I was kind of like on the fence on if I wanted to play it, especially now that it's up to an eight, eight and a half. You said eight. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll play. I'll, I'll play it at eight. I mean, like you said, Portland defensively, it has been like one of the top defensive teams in the league, the sixth in defensive rating. They play a slow pace, the 28th in pace, so that's limited possessions. It also would lean to a under. The only thing that keeps me off of it is that San Antonio defensively, they're outside, like, they're like bottom five in points per game allowed, field goal percentage allowed, three-point percentage allowed. So Simons and Dame could, if they both get hot, like, they could probably score, like, 135. To to be honest, like so, it wouldn't surprise me if they like go crazy, being that they're on a Spurs on a back to back. Pop usually doesn't you know play his guys. I guess I don't know if they if this team even has any guys, but I guess Kelton Johnson, Devin Vassell. I don't know if they'll be limited or what, but he usually you know takes it easy on the second leg of a back to back. So that would only that would be the only thing that keeps me away from the under. But definitely will be on uh, on Portland eleven two and one ATS four and one at home. Uh, they also haven't like in that you know 13 game span, they have played some pretty good teams. They got a, the top five or top six in uh, strength of schedule, so they're not just beating up on bad teams. They're beating you know pretty good teams. And coming off that loss, I think that they you know hold San Antonio to under 100 points. So I would look at San Antonio team total under and uh, later eight with Portland. And San Antonio has also played good teams, but they have lost six of seven. So I know it's a good story when the team that's supposed to tank suddenly plays well to start the season. I am curious when the team loses six of seven, does that affect them mentally? You lose by 37 points yesterday. Now you're traveling to Portland. I kind of wonder if that's going to snowball because they they weren't supposed to win many games this year. And after a hot start, I wonder if that kind of seeps into their own heads and think, all right, this is kind of what we thought the season was going to be because they have not won many games for the last two weeks. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, they're just not they're just not playing defense at yeah. all. Like they yeah. just they just letting people whoever whoever that usually uh, Trey Jones and um, Vassil like I I love Devin Vassil, but I mean he can't defend and Trey Jones is just so small. People are posting you see guards posting mm-hmm. him up. I and think Portland I don't gives know you no if, rim protection. Right, right. Yeah. They got no rim protection at all. So I mean, even without Nurkic, like if Dame and Simons, if they get hot, then it could be a long night for the Spurs. And they'll pack it in. Like we've seen Pop pack it in. If they yeah. get up, if a team gets up, you know, 10, 12, you know, mid third quarter or mid fourth quarter, he'll pull his guys and put in, you know, the the backups. And that'll just, you know, allow Portland to pull away. So I'm with you, Scott. You might as yeah, well pull the trigger with me, man. <laughs> San Antonio is uh, ranks number 28 in points uh, allowed inside the paint, where they're giving about 55 per game. And then also a three-point defense uh, has not been very good this season, where they're allowing opposing teams to shoot about 38.7 points. Uh, sorry, 38.7% from beyond the arc. They're also allowing teams to make about close to 13 makes per game, which is about rich ranks number 21 uh, in the entire league. Um, I, guys are kind of convinced me here to take a Portland team total to go over here tonight. I mean, I don't see how they're going to stop guys like what you guys mentioned with Simons and Dame and, and, you know, finishing around the basket or even getting up three-point shots here. So I think I like the minus eight here for the Portland Trailblazers as well and also maybe the team total to go over for the uh, Portland Trailblazers here tonight uh, in this game as well. Um, I got something else for you. So, yeah, go uh, for it. I, I, I read off the um, 
I read off the how bad that uh, San Antonio is, you know, defensively allowing points per game, field goal percentage. So uh, Portland, they're really good at making threes. Fourth in three-point percentage. Yeah. Um, they are uh, seventh in – well, no, that's allowed. I'm sorry. So they, they play a slower pace. So being that they play such good defense – it's going to limit the possessions that San Antonio has, which that's what I want as if I have a favor. I don't want many possessions for the opponent. I want them to be strong, be strangled and turn the ball over. Uh, San Antonio is 28th in turnover percentage, meaning they have the worst. They, they turn the ball over so much, and that's going to lead to transition. And uh, I think Dame and, and Simons have a big night as well. I think Lord yeah. might go for 35 tonight. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm currently seeing um, both of those guys, Simons and Lillard's three-point um, shots made are at three and a half for both at plus 115. Give me the over. Yeah, Give I'm here for that. Give it yeah. uh, I'm looking at Lillard's numbers against the Spurs. He hasn't played against the Spurs since 2011 because he missed basically all of last year. Yeah. But he has had at least uh, 30... He has had at least 30 points in two of the last three, at least 26 in... Uh, uh, let me just see this. Five of the last six. Uh, I saw a double-double mentioned in the comment section. He has had one double-double back in 2020 uh, in recent head-to-head matchups. But when you have scored at least 26 points in five of the last six head-to-head meetings, it means usually you're good against this defense, and this defense stinks. So I think Lillard really has a great path to go for 30-something points, six three-pointers, and some massive yeah. stat line. It just Yeah, I would, right. for some alt, I would look for some all. Totals on Simons and uh, and Lillard as well. Mm-hmm. Lillard has gone oh scored twenty five or more or twenty six or more in eight out of the last ten matchups against the Spurs. I'm currently seeing his points projection at twenty five and a half right now. Yeah, I gotta like the over on that. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, anything else for this game, guys? Before we get over to the last game of the night. I see. No, not really. All right, let's get over to the last game of the night. It's going to be the uh, Brooklyn Nets in Sacramento to take on the Kings. Uh, this line opened up as a minus two point favorite for the Sacramento Kings. That number has pretty much stayed the course. Starting to see some minus one and a halves pop up um, in favor or the line moving towards the Brooklyn Nets uh, direction. Total opened up at 224. That number's been bet up to 226 over on win bet. Uh, sorry, up to 227 now over on win bet. So some money coming in on the over in this game. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams for the Sacramento Kings, uh, pretty clean. Don't see any big names on the injury report. And for the Brooklyn Nets, I'm currently seeing Nick Claxton is probable. Seth Curry probable. Um, Wantanabe is questionable here tonight with a lower back contusion. Also, Ben Simmons' left knee soreness is questionable here tonight um, for the Brooklyn Nets. Scott, let me start with you on this game, this being your team in Sacramento tonight as a one-and-a-half-point underdog against the Sacramento Kings. What do you think about this game? So historically speaking, I know that's not really going to matter much, but the Nets have been really, really good traveling to Sacramento or against Sacramento. They've actually dominated the head-to-head for several years. Uh, the one exception was the game where Harden quit on the team and he scored like four points. That was the one exception. They've won. They've won like every other game that they've had for several years against Sacramento. But I like what I've seen from Sacramento recently. The Kings are playing good basketball. I thought they would be probably around a 38-win team. That's why I like their win total over. We talked about it during the offseason. They're finally playing like it. Fox has been insane, especially in crunch time. Sabonis just had a 26-22 and game against Golden State. I know he's a very good rebounder, and the Nets can't rebound. Now, Anthony Davis killed this team. 
a couple days ago because he went for, I believe, 37 and 15 or 37 and 17. I'm not surprised he dominated, but it was a bit misleading because Claxton left the game like midway through the second or third quarter. So the Nets really had no centers at all to use against Davis. I'm not saying Claxton's a great rebounder anyway, but I do think it was definitely a good spot for Davis to torch them. I'm going to lean Sacramento. I don't feel great about it. Do they, do they have anyone who can guard Durant? Not really, but I'm kind of just hoping that Sacramento offensively has enough weapons. Uh, the Nets have been a lot better defensively ever since Nash got fired, but Herder's been very good from three. Harrison Barnes still a decent three-point shooter. Keegan Murray's still good. And Murray can rebound as well. So I think they have a couple of bigs who could create some problems on the glass. I'm going to lean Sacramento at home. I just like how they've played for the past week. The Nets have been hit or miss. Defensively, they're good, though. I'll lean to the under in this game. The Nets' pace has died ever since they switched coaches and ever since Kyrie has been AWOL. I'm going to lean under there. I just think the pace alone for the Nets has really killed any hopes of overs. Give me the under. That's kind of my favorite play in this game. Yeah. Uh, give you the uh, under, you said, right? Yeah, the under. 227.5. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Brooklyn right now, yeah, you're right. Number 26 as far as pace mm-hmm. goes. or possessions per game um, so far this season. Sacramento, number 13. Not not what we're really expecting from the Sacramento Kings team, what we've kind of seen in the past where they've kind of been top five in pace, but they've also slowed it down with Mike Brown out as a head coach. So, um, and you're right, defensively, Brooklyn are the best team defending the paint, where they only allowed 42.9 points per game inside the paint. Um, Sacramento, not very good inside the paint. I think we've known that, especially when you have some bonus trying to defend the paint. They give up 55 points uh, inside the paint, which ranks number 28. Brooklyn uh, only scores about 27 points inside the paint, but I think that Kevin Durant and, you know, Kevin Durant should get to the basket out of will and get some easy baskets here tonight. Uh, both of these teams, uh, as far as three-point percentage allowed, do rank in the bottoms at 27 and 28. Uh, but I think the pace, of mel- pace, pace alone, and the numbers may be skewed a little bit just because what you mentioned there, Scott, that the defensive philosophy has changed for this Brooklyn team where they have been looking a lot better. Um, I know against the Lakers that a- uh, Anthony Davis was able to get whatever he really wanted just because it was a big mismatch for them. But with having to only deal with Sabonis here tonight, I think that, yeah, well, I think we'll see more of a defensive game here between these two squads. Uh, but, Don, let me get your take first on the side end total here. What are you liking about this game? Yeah, I'm with you guys on, on that under. Uh, without Nash and, to a lesser degree, without Kyrie, um, Brooklyn has been playing really well defensively. Um, they are seventh in points per game allowed, uh, first in two-point percentage allowed, second in uh, effective field goal percentage allowed, uh, the only problem with their defense is they do give up the three. Like, they can't defend the three for whatever reason. I have no idea what it is. They can defend everything else, but they can't defend the three. So the bad thing about that is the uh, Kings are seventh in three-point percentage. So they're going to kind of have to put a – they're going to have to kind of put a muzzle on uh, De'Aaron Fox because he's what makes them go. I mean, at the end of the day, him and Sabonis, that, that high pick and roll, it's – and they're both left-handed, so it's kind of unorthodox for somebody to defend the the uh, the ball handler and the screener, and they're both left-handed. So you're playing them as if they're you know right-handed. It's kind of like it's kind of like a mind game. Uh, that's something that I noticed that not a lot of people have been uh, paying attention to. So I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure Sabonis and Fox have like one of the better pick and roll rates in the NBA, simply off of them being just left-handed ball dominant players. Um, But defensively, uh, like I would lean to the under uh, Kings. They have been like a machine 
at home, four and two ATS, nine and three uh, ATS on the season. Uh, Brooklyn, I mean, they like They're it's kind of hit or miss. Teams. You have, yeah, like I, you, you never post Nash. Yeah, know like you, you. So like the numbers are what they are, but I feel like now. They're getting into what they are going to be. Now, is Kyrie going to ever come back? I think they don't. I don't know if they even need him to come back. The way they've been playing, I mean, he's dynamic and everything, but I don't think that he meshes well. I'm a big Cam Thomas fan simply because he just doesn't care, and he's just going to try to put up as many shots as he as he wants, and that's why him and Nash clashed. Uh, but I think that he has you know, what it takes to be uh, a spark off the bench, You know, come in, give you – you know, ten to fifteen. The only problem yeah. is he's not consistent. He also uh, can't guard anybody. Yeah, so yeah, he, can, he can't. He can't. But not a lot of people on on this Brooklyn team can guard anybody as well. Just saying it, that, that that's a big reason why he didn't yeah. play much is because watching him play, he's an absolute sieve defensively. He can't guard yeah. anybody. Yeah. So and then that that along with the inconsistency, like he's going to shoot. Like so that's that's just the thing. Like he's going to shoot. If you if you watch uh, a lot of Brooklyn games, you'll see like he takes bad shots. Um, it's just he's young. But you know, Jock Vaughn, I think he'll he'll be able to coach him up and get him to a decent place to be somewhat like what Clarkson was um earlier in his career. Uh when he was with the Lakers. I thought they, they share similarities uh to each other. But um as far as aside, like I wanted to take Brooklyn, but you read off that injury report. I if if like Simmons and um was Seth Curry questionable as well? I don't even no, know if Simmons probably, is worth for the record at this he's, point. Yeah, I, yeah, I got no he, idea. He's just, he's just a he's just he's probably coming like, off the bench too. Yeah, he's just a body for rebounding. Um, I just like I don't know what to expect from Brooklyn now that they've you know switched over to this non Nash era. So I I was gonna take them as my dog as a short dog, but uh, looking at some of the metrics from Sacramento and how well they've played, how well they've been playing. I'll probably just stay away. I would lean to the under as well with Scott. I think Scott was on the under, right? Yeah. 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 So I'll I'll lean, I'll lean to the under. I'll stay away from the side. If I had to, I'd just take Brooklyn on the money line. I mean, just pure variance alone. If they're going to, I mean, they're going to cover. It's only a short spread. So I think they're, they got a better chance to win the game than cover. So I would just take the plus price on the money line. Yeah. This, this one is, it's tricky for me as well. I mean, the line is, pretty much almost out of pick them here. Um, I, I, I 100% agree about the under in this game. I think we'll see more defensive effort from both of these teams. I think the one thing that kind of, as far as player problems took out to me, if Claxon is able to go, and I think that he is probable here tonight, his double-double is kind of intriguing to me at plus 190. Um, Sacramento, they are overall a pretty good rebounding team, uh, but they do give up around 14.4 rebounds per game to the center position. Uh, so far this season. So I think that if he's able to go 30 plus minutes here tonight is Nick Claxton. I think that he can get a double double here tonight at plus 190 uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, anything else, Scott, you're looking at in this game? Yeah, I was looking at Durant uh, for rebounds. I see over seven and a half is plus uh, 115. I think that's very yeah. appealing. Uh, if you're going yeah. through, you mentioned how you're going to pivot to Claxton. Durant's playing at least like 35 minutes a game minimum with Kyrie being out. So if you want to yeah. talk about volume, he should have be on the court a lot. Sabonis is a good rebounder. Is he the tallest center in the world? Is he the most athletic? Not really. I think Durant could sky over him for a couple of boards. But you're looking at Durant's recent numbers, and he's been pretty good at rebounding. He has had at least nine rebounds in two of the last three games. You also look at his head-to-head against the Kings. He's been really good at rebounding. He's had at least eight rebounds in four of the last five meetings in the head-to-head. 
I just think you're going to see Durant really have to rebound the ball well because Sabonis just had 22 last game, and he crashes the glass. I think Durant rebounds, maybe even a double-double look for Durant. I think that's probably worth a look. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Don, anything else for this game, bud? Uh, what was that, Scott? For I was going to say Durant? the double-double for Durant is plus 215. I don't mind that. Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind it's that. A lot of minutes. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I, um, yeah. yeah, I don't have anything else. I just, I just was gonna tell you guys. Uh, I got to skate, but I'll send you my lock and dog in uh in the chat. Yeah, go and send me a chat, and I'll, I'll just, shout about it. Say it now we kind of wrap it up here. Oh yeah, well, I'm, yeah, I'm we're going about to, with, we're about I'm, to get to lock and dog. Yeah, yeah, I'm going go with the uh, Pelicans as a lock, uh, three and a half. If if okay. Zion gets ruled in, I think it goes to four, four and a half. So you have some good value yeah. on that. Um, we went over the game, so you know people can circle back for the analysis on that. Um, as far as the dog, I would go with Brooklyn. Just shit. I mean, I don't like any other dog on the card. I mean, maybe the Clippers, but if Dallas is player prop, yeah, I, I've yeah. cheated the entire year doing player prop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll I'll stick with Brooklyn. I'll stick with Brooklyn. Um, All right. I'll just I'll, I'll take them small small dog. Uh, Durant Durant has the potential to go absolutely berserk against that King's uh, front line. So I'll uh, I'll go with the lock for um for New Orleans and the dog small dogs plus price. What is that like plus one fifteen one twenty? Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's that's fine. I think. I think they'll they'll be competitive. Durant, if it's close, Durant will he'll he'll get to them. They're playing well defensively. Um, the Kings, although they shoot the ball uh, really well, what they do extremely well is get to the rim. They're first in rim percentage, which is the percentage of baskets you make uh, between uh, three to five feet. But the counter to that is uh, Brooklyn is fifth in rim rate defense. So it's going to be you know a clash of different styles on that. So I think. Uh, even if Claxton is out, uh, I think um, Sharp Sharp will be good. Uh, so maybe look at some of his props if um, Claxton is ruled out. So uh, that'll that'll be my lock and dog. So hopefully I can get off the snide, man, and get and get yeah. into the winning percentage. We'll see. Sounds good, man. All right, uh, let's let you get out of here, bud. Uh, right, but man. I'll shout see out you. your lock and dog again uh, at the end of the show. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. Good show. Appreciate you guys. All right, see, see you. All right, uh, before we actually get into our lock and dog here, let me tell you guys about the newly relaunched SGPN merch store. Look, it's that holiday season, and we want to, well, we try to get our holiday shopping done early. And why not do it over at the SGPN merch store? The SGPN gear is the perfect uh, stocking stuffer for the DGEN in your life, whether it's a family uh, member, a friend, a coworker, they're, they're DGENs like us. Uh, the SGPN merch store, it's a great place uh, to really find some great uh, gear for that person in your life. And look, they have this really nice Christmas sweater that we just put out over over, over on the SGPN merch store. So I know you, a, lot of, a lot of you guys will have those holiday parties. That's with friends, family members, coworkers, whatever the case, case might be. Go ahead and check it out. It's a really nice black sweater. It says Let It Ride on there. Very festive for the holiday season. Uh, and if you buy it from now up until Thanksgiving Day, you'll get 10% off of that sweater or for that matter, anything over on the SGP and March store, but make sure to use promo code Dallas sucks for 10% off for the entire order. That's 10% off when you use promo code Dallas sucks over on these SGP and March store. And you can find it at store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Once again, that's store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com using promo code Dallas sucks for 10% off. 
All right, Scott, let's get into our lock and dog for this Tuesday night schedule. Five games on the board here. I'll let you lead it off here, my man. What do you got for your lock and dog? So starting off with the lock, I was originally going to take Morant over in points, but I decided to pivot. The more we talked about it, the more I kind of have to like it. I'm going to take Lillard over 25 and a half points at minus 120. It's just such a good matchup. I, I really can't resist taking it. Even against Dallas last game, he had 29 and 12. He shot terribly from the floor. He shot 37.5% field goal and 28.6% three, and he still scored 29 points. He was pretty good against Charlotte, ended up having 26 in that one. Uh, But overall, we know the volume's going to be there. San Antonio can't exactly guard anybody. I know Trey Jones might not play, so they might be using potentially a backup point guard, which I'm not exactly sold on for San Antonio. But you mentioned the numbers. Defensively, they stink. Portland's team total is what, 118 in this game? Uh, Yeah, around there. Mm Mm-hmm. If they're going to end up getting to 120, I'm assuming I'm assuming Lillard scores at least 30. But 25 and a half against such an awful defense is so low. I have to like the over on Lillard. He might get to the line a bunch. He might hit a bunch yeah. of threes. If he shoots anywhere north of 40% from the floor, he should score at least 26. Give me Lillard over for, for a player prop. I just think he's going to go nuts in this game. It just has great history against the Spurs team. I mean, you yeah. highlighted it when we talked about it. And again, like I mentioned, eight out of the last 10 games, he scored uh, 26 or more points uh, for, against. For the last team. five, if you want to go for a smaller, but more yeah. recent sample size. So yeah. I got to like the over on that. Yeah, I like it. Uh, all right, what do you got for your dog? So my dog, I'm going to stick with a player prop because I'm pretty sure I took the favorite, besides the Clippers, uh, plus the points in basically every game. But I'm going to go back to that Knicks game against the Jazz. And I know that... Uh, Delonte and I were talking about a player who should fare well in this matchup. I'm going to take Julius Randle. I'm going to take him double-double at plus 160. It's a great matchup. And I'm not overreacting to Embiid dropping basically 60 against them, but Utah's not a great rebounding team. And you're looking at Randle's recent games. He's been really, really good, and I do think that he's a good matchup in the spot. Uh, You're talking about the Knicks who, without Robinson, don't exactly have many great rebounders. They throw in Hartenstein or maybe a little bit of Jericho Sims. But Randall plays a bunch of minutes. He's been very good at rebounding the ball lately. And he's been very good at rebounding against Utah. He's had at least 10 rebounds in two of the last three games. And pulling up Randall's numbers against Utah. I did this last night, but I just want to see this really quickly. Uh, I I believe he's had at least 10 in... What is it? Four of the last five? Sorry, I'm just pulling it up. But Julius he's Randall very good. Against the Jazz? Yeah, against the Jazz. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Julius Randall against the Jazz. He's had, he's a, had a, yeah, double, he's, double, four of the last five. Four of the last five against Utah, and now they no longer have Gobert, and it's plus 160. I think it's a great price based on yeah. the head-to-head history and Utah's inability to rebound the ball. Give me Randall double double. I think he has a pretty big game tonight. Yeah, I, w- I was going to mention the Randall uh, rebounding prop here tonight, but it just makes too much sense to take the double double here tonight uh, with him at plus money. Uh, right now, his rebounding prop alone is at eight and a half. But like we just mentioned, for the last five games uh, against the Utah Jazz, he's had a double double. So at, at a plus that's with price. Gobert. Yeah, that's with Gobert. So, and you like you mentioned, we saw what Julius, or sorry, what Joel Embiid was able to do against him. Not saying that we're not saying that Julius Randle is going to go out and score sixty points against him, but, but the pain he does have out. a favorable matchup. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with that. Um, all right, for my player prop, or oh, sorry, my player prop, uh, my lock. Uh, I'm going to go with the first half over in this game that we just talked about, the Knicks and the Jazz game. I think that we'll see a lot of pace in this game. Knicks defensively are a. Atrocious, I think. Yeah, they're just bad. I mean, look, yeah, they give bad. up 145 
to a team of, of the OKC Thunder on Sunday. It was just not very good uh, defensively for them. And shout Jazz, out to Giddy, by the way. Triple double in that game. Shout out yeah, to Giddy. Yes, Josh Giddy, he's the man. Uh, mm. But Utah Jazz are a team, especially in that first half, that are, I think, one of the best uh, scoring the basketball as far as points per game. Uh, shockingly, New York is number one at 62.6 first half points per game. Utah, number three at 60.7. So I think this gets well above uh, 120 points here. I'm currently seeing it at 119 over on win bet. And just to kind of go through the number of uh, first half of what these two teams do defensively. Uh, let's see here. New York allows 60.8, which ranks number 29, just in front of the Utah, sorry, in front of the Indiana, Indiana Pacers. Utah a little bit better defensively in the first half when they give up 55.5, but I think, I just think we'll see a lot of great shot making, uh, a lot of up and down defense. Like we mentioned, the Knicks are not very good. So currently over on win bet, seeing the first half total at 119 and a half. So I'll take that over. Um, far as my dog, I want to take the Clippers here tonight, whether that's in the first half, but again, with just, we don't know who's going to be in or out for this game, uh, for the Clippers. I I can't go there. So I got to pivot to a player prop as well. Um, I like Nick Claxton. I think it's a good matchup here for him tonight, uh, in this game. So I'll take his double double here tonight at plus one ninety. Um, I mentioned that these, the Kings against that center position are allowing about 14.4 rebounds per contest to that position. Uh, I think that Claxton, if he does get the minutes here tonight, he has probable tonight. So if he's able to get that 30 minutes here tonight for the uh, Brooklyn Nets, I think that he should have a great rebounding night. He did have uh, a double-double against the, was it uh, the New York Knicks? Not the Knicks, I'm sorry, the uh, Dallas Mavericks the other night on Monday, the November 7th. He had, let's see here. Do you have one against the Lakers? And now he got hurt. I got, he had one against the Clippers. I think he had like 11 and Yeah, he had 13, uh, 13 and 14 against okay. the Clippers. And then he had 10 and 14 against the Dallas Mavericks. Fell one rebound short against the Charlotte Hornets. But again, I think here tonight against the Kings that he should be able to get that double-double. So I'll go with Nick Claxton, double-double, plus 190, and 100% co-sign on uh, – I gave up a bonus lock, it would be that Damian Lillard prop, uh, what you mentioned there, uh, Scott, um, for tonight's matchups here in the NBA, my man. So just to recap all of our picks here, I know Delonte had to get uh, dug out a little bit early. I'll recap his picks. Uh, so he's taking the Pelicans minus three and a half against the God, I forgot who they're playing here tonight. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, I'm sorry. So Pelicans minus three and a half as his lock for Delonte and his dog. It's going to be the Brooklyn Nets plus 110 versus Sacramento Kings. For Scott, Locke, Damian Lillard over 25.5 points against the San Antonio Spurs tonight at home. And Julius Randle double-double plus 160 as his dog against the Utah Jazz. And then for my lock, Knicks, Jazz, first half over 119.5. Definitely shop around for that uh, number to get the best one. And then for my dog, I'm going with Nick Claxton for the Brooklyn Nets to get a double-double tonight at plus 190. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. Uh, Scott, anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here, my man? 
Not really. Uh, that Durant triple double staring me in the face at fifteen to one. I'm potentially intrigued <laughs> by it. Maybe double double at plus two ten. I might sprinkle on. But either way, I'm looking forward to the NBA slate for tonight. Let's make some money and. Uh, yeah, I'll be back again for the NFL Gambling Podcast with Terrell later doing the total show for week 11. It's already week 11. Yeah. Time Crazy. flies. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, either way, you know where to find me. Uh, right Show Radio on Twitter. And I'll see you guys around. Yeah. Make sure to follow uh, Scott on Twitter at Right Show Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. Make sure to follow the NBA Gambling Podcast account at SGPNNBA. We'll be back tomorrow in some form or fashion to cover the NBA games for uh wednesday in the association so definitely look out for that usual time uh it's either around uh 11 or 11 30 eastern time so if you guys want to tune into the youtube channel and see our pretty faces or try to get through your work afternoon or early morning definitely here to help you guys do that all right till then good luck with your picks let's break these books off and let it ride basketball give me give me give me the ball